welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Welcome. Uh, it is good to be here to fill the pulpit uh, for Daniel as their family is away on vacation. Uh, so, you know, pretty cool. Yeah, I think they, they intended, I think it was scheduled intentionally for them to be in England for uh, the Queen's uh, Platinum Jubilee. So I guess she's been Queen for 75 years. So I don't think that was accident that they uh, were, you know, had scheduled at this time. So uh, pretty neat. That's a pretty neat uh, thing to experience. So uh, it is good to be here uh, preaching uh, this morning. And uh, this morning, I, the message, it is for everyone. It's definitely geared towards our graduates, but this is a message I think it applies to everyone, no matter who you are, um, no matter what you do. I believe this message, it applies to you. And I, I, it is my hope and prayer as any time I, I preach and teach from God's Word that this is God's Word, uh, not my own. And uh, my hope is that you hear from God and His Word, not, not from me. Um, uh, so we are glad that you are here. So in, in 2003, I'll just back up a little bit to uh, a little bit of my era. I was, I think, a, a freshman at that time in high school. And in 2003, a book came out by John Piper, Pastor John Piper, that was entitled, Don't Waste Your Life. Um, I didn't read it that year. I didn't know about that book at that time. But uh, that was when the book came out, and uh, I believe it was really... Um, you know, kind of a collection of thoughts organized into a book of, of, of sermons he had preached. Uh, definitely one of his most famous sermons was at uh, the Passion Conference uh, many years ago. So before the book was out, he had really a sermon on that, on don't waste your life. You only get one life. It is short. Don't waste it. Use it uh, for the way God has called you to live. And uh, this is a very influential and popular book among uh, Christians of my generation. Very influential. And, and for me personally, uh, and John Piper and, and his books, uh, it was influential for me in my walk. I read it uh, in college, I, well, maybe senior year of high school. Uh, but it was influential for me, and it's appropriate for anyone, but its target audience, it is for high school and college students. you got your whole life ahead of you. Don't waste it. Uh, so that's the premise. If we aren't paying attention, we will waste our lives on things that don't ultimately matter for eternity. You can just cruise through life. Next thing you know, you're old, you're dying, and you've done nothing for the Lord. And the book and what Dr. Piper is saying is use it. Use it wisely. It's a great book. Great encouragement, great message. Uh, however, I, I believe, and this is not me... Um, Disparaging Dr. Piper and, and his work, uh, certainly just an amazing preacher, I think there were some unintended consequences, not from anything he said, but perhaps the way some people receive it, uh, and how we understand what obedience to God looks like. Because it's easy to read a book like that and, and, and think that if we don't make history, if we, if we aren't written about and have biographies written about our lives, that maybe we weren't obedient to God. I think, you know, some people, there's a danger in that. We think if we don't do these great, big, amazing things where we're famous and everyone knows about us, even as Christians, that maybe we weren't faithful or maybe we didn't make a difference in the world. So we don't want to fall into that and think that that has to be us, that we have to change the world because that's what our culture tells you. You, 
you can, you can change the world. Uh, but, I mean, really the fact is, very few people change the world, like their singular influence changed the world. Very, very rare uh, to have that kind of effect. Now, God certainly does raise up people for that. God does do that. And he raises up Christians to do that. Uh, but that is, uh, that is the exception and not the norm. And just because God raises up someone in that way doesn't mean the way he is going to use you and has called you in your life, your ordinary life, it doesn't make yours any less important or valuable to God. God has called you to be obedient where you are and what you do. So he still has called you to obedience. So we draw inspiration and encouragement from giants of the faith, the people that we read biographies of that have gone before us. But ultimately, God sees every believer in Christ the same. Every you know, Christian that may we read a biography about, the, the people of the Bible that we read about, the characters in the Bible, when you read Hebrews, all those people, God sees the same because by faith they have been saved through Christ. And God sees those in Christ. He sees Christ's righteousness, not our own. So God sees everyone and every believer the same. He looks at them and sees Jesus' righteousness. Someone ransomed by the blood of Jesus. So through Jesus, we are able to live in obedience. That is how we live faithfully, through Jesus. And just because you don't make history or you may not make history, it doesn't mean you haven't been obedient in the calling on your life. So how then should we live and how should we use our time if we're not making history? Uh, so for that, let's read from Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to be reading, so it's a kind of a long passage, but I think the context, everything's important uh, to what we're going to look at. So we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. I'll give you a moment just to get there, and then we will be focusing in on verses 15 and 16 is really our, our passages for this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence in Christ. As I said, we'll be focusing on verses uh, 15 and 16. And the three main points from that passage, from verse 15 and 16, that I want us to take away uh, this morning. And it's really, it's nothing groundbreaking. I didn't come up with any uh, sort of amazing alliteration here. It's taken right from the text in these two verses. So how do we live faithfully? I, those 21 verses tells us a lot about how to live, how to live uh, righteously and in purity um, and faithfully to God. So how do we live our entire life that way? What do we do? Well, it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. So number one is pay attention to your life. Pay attention. Look at your life. Know what is happening on, in your life. Don't be oblivious to your own world. Uh, it's very easy uh, to become that way. First Timothy chapter 4, it says something really similar to this passage. Now, in First Timothy chapter 4, it's addressing uh, elders. Uh, Paul is addressing elders in the church, but it applies still to everyone. And it says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So, he says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. So everything you do, your life, that's your actions, right? The things you do, your daily routines, um, just everything about your life. And then your doctrine, that's your convictions. That's what you believe and hold firm and how you understand the Bible. Everyone has a belief. Everyone has a worldview. Everyone has some sort of doctrine. But Christians, as Christians, we hold the doctrine of the faith and what the Bible tells us. And he says, Watch it closely. Pay attention to your life. Because it is easy to drift. I think that's the point. You have to be paying attention because otherwise you will begin to drift in your life. It's very easy. And as Christians and as conservative Bible-believing Christians, this is very true for the church throughout history. Drift always happens to unorthodoxy, to liberalism. That's the way, drift always occurs that way in the life of the church. Drift never happens accidentally to more conservative uh, doctrine and belief. That, that just does not happen. Drift is always uh, towards unorthodoxy and, and liberalism. So we have to watch carefully because if we're not watching, that will happen. It's happened uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention. There was a conservative resurgence in the 80s and 90s. And even today, there's a lot of talk of, like, is there a drift even within our own convention? And so churches, uh, denominations, and then churches, you have to be watching all the time. You have to be paying attention all the time. Individually, you have to pay attention throughout your life. What is happening? Guys, I'm still fairly young. I'm 34, but I've been a Christian for a long time, and... uh, you know, I've seen it. I've seen people I went to high school with who were in youth group that said they're Christians. Now their life looks nothing like it. College, you know, people appeared they had amazing uh, experiences and salvation, 
and today there seems to be no fruit. What happened? And it continues to happen. People, sometimes they're older. It, people drift. If you're not paying attention, you will drift. So my encouragement is for everyone, and, and especially our graduates and our young people here, uh, watch your life. Pay attention. Because the things you experience at, at D-Now and summer camp, those experiences, they will go. And those, those highs, they're not going to be there. You have to have a rock-solid foundation in what you believe in your conviction. So pay attention to your life, because otherwise you will drift, and you will wake up one day wondering what happened. Maybe you ruin your life. Some people, they drift, and maybe the rest of their life seems okay, but they're awaiting, they're awaiting judgment from God, and they are not right with God. And other people, they will, ruin, they will ruin everything about their life now and eternity. I mean, I've seen, I know people, they've ruined and wrecked their lives here and now, and unless they repent, they await judgment. So watch your life, pay attention. It's like a car. A car, it will just drift. If you take your eyes off the road, uh, your car will begin to drift. Now, a lot of newer cars, they'll like drive themselves to some degree, and, but I mean, we know what I'm saying, right? They will drift. A boat, it doesn't just go from one, in, one ocean uh, all the way across the ocean uh, without keeping a very strict course. You begin to go off and veer off. You are, in, uh, you are in peril. So you have to watch because drifting is easy and you have to be paying attention at all times. All right, next, be wise. So pay attention to your life. That's how you live faithfully. Be wise. That's a very simple command. Uh, the book of Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We are called to fear the Lord and have wisdom. And a fool rejects God and His commands. If you want to be a fool, you reject what God has said to do. So the wise person fears the Lord, the fool rejects the Lord and His commands. So we are called to be wise. Very simple wisdom. It says also in Proverbs that it cries out, it calls out from the streets it is obvious. We know. This is, you know, I think things, God has written the law on our hearts, is what the book of Romans tells us. We know what is right and wrong. We know what is good and just. Everyone, every person is born with, you know, what we call a conscience, right? But we know what is good. And wisdom calls out. It's not hard to know what is wise and what is foolish. Some things begin to get tougher, and we need counsel. So a wise person seeks counsel for those things. But wisdom is evident. It is evident what is right, what is wrong, what is good, uh, and what is bad, what is wise, what is foolish. And, uh, you know, just a humorous example, this crowd may be a little better suited for the people in this audience uh, compared to the morning service, but one of my favorite shows uh, is The Office. Any Office fans out there? Okay, good. We get some hands up. Um, in The Office, I think it's pretty early in the life of the show, maybe first few seasons, there's a character named Dwight. And Dwight, he's very blunt, very straightforward, and he's a character. Like, he is like this very, he's kind of strange. And uh, it's a documentary style show. So it's a comedy, but they, it's pretending like it's a documentary. So they like interview the characters. So all throughout the show, you have like these one-on-one -on -one interviews with the characters, and they're letting you see into their life and the things going on in the workplace. And uh, I may botch this a little bit, but Dwight says something like, when I'm about to do something, I think to myself, would an idiot do this? And if the answer is yes, I do not do that thing. And it's really ridiculous, 
But it's true. It, it, it sounds so ridiculous. But when you think about life and the decisions you make, really, you need to step back and think to yourself, okay, is this wise to do? Am I, if I do this, will I look like a fool? And if the answer is yes, don't do that thing. So a little wisdom uh, from Dwight in the office on that one, but it is true. Watch your life, pay attention, and be wise. Be wise in, in your decisions and things you do. Uh, thirdly, use your time well. Use your time well. Uh, we can talk about routines and everything, how we structure our whole day, but uh, I want to kind of look at maybe a bigger picture of that. And that time passes faster, uh, it passes by faster than anyone realizes. You know, as a kid, you definitely don't realize really how fast time is going. Um, but as you age, and the older you get, the more you realize how fast time has gone. And I think that really changes when you have children. Uh, someone with two children, I am really seeing that. Man, time is going quick. It goes by fast. And time is something you can't ever get back. You can never gain more time. Uh, but you can, there's lots of other things in life you can get back. You can lose all your money and you can earn money back, right? There's all kinds of things. That's just one example. But time, you do not get back. We're called to use our time well. Uh, one of my favorite songs uh, is Stop This Train by John Mayer. And Isaac knows that song well. Isaac's a big John Mayer fan. Uh, we've bonded over our, uh, our uh, like of John Mayer. And his songs, I love that song. One of my favorite songs, just period. And, and the song, the image, it's a picture of life is this train that is nonstop. And you can't get off the train and the train stop at the station and you get back on that train. The train is always moving. It is always moving. Your life is always hurtling forward. And it does not stop. And before you know it, you're old. I mean, if you're lucky, right? We, don't, we can't take that for granted. James says that life is a vapor. Life is quick. There's no guarantee that we live to be 80, 90, 100. Like, you know, when I think about my life, I'm like, Lord willing, if I lived to 80, that'd be fantastic. Uh, but there is no guarantees of any of that. Nothing is guaranteed. The rest of this day is not guaranteed for any of us. Life is a vapor, is quick. So use your time well. Know what you're using your time for. Don't waste your life. Because it goes quickly. But why does it matter? Why does it matter how we use our time? Well, it's not just because our life is short. There's much more to it than life is short. But also, this passage says clearly that the days are evil. We live in times that are evil. And every Christian generation has. These are difficult times. So we have to use our time wisely because our days are difficult and they're evil. And there's evil all around us. And we are called to combat the darkness. That's what that passage in Ephesians is saying. Like, be the light. You are the light of the world. There's so much darkness. There's so much darkness. Just a little light is seen. When, if you're, you've maybe been a part of an example or seen an example. If you take like a pitch black room like this, like one candle, it's amazing what one light does. Uh, there's a great quote. Um, uh, a great quote. I can't remember who it's by because uh, I'm kind of just calling off memory here. Um, 
but something to the effect of, if you set a man on fire, the, wor- ever, the world will come watch the man burn. And the idea is, like, if one of you is on fire for Christ, if you are lit up, if you're this light, the world will see it. Everyone will see it. You know the song, the kid's song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? It is a profound truth of what it means to be a, a Christian. All right, the days are evil. And it's obvious to every Christian that our days are wicked. That is, is uh, times that many of us have never seen before. And, you know, it's obvious to people who aren't Christians the time that we're living in, even. Uh, they, have a, they have a conscience. They know. And so there's people, believers and non-believers, who look around the world and say, what is wrong? What is happening in our world? But as Christians especially, we know how to answer that. We have the answers to that question of what is wrong. And every generation of Christians have had times of great wickedness. So then how do we live? All right, How do we make the most of our time? How do we, in these evil times, what do we do? So for that, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 9 through 12. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you were doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So, what do we do? We are called, this passage, how do we live in this time, this wicked world? We aspire to live quietly. That's an interesting passage when we think about, uh, you know, what I mentioned earlier with changing the world and, and being famous, all these things. As a Christian, that's likely not the case. And we're called to live this quiet and godly life. It's a stark contrast. So, in a world of all kinds of people doing things to seek and get attention, as Christians, we should be content with our quiet, normal lives. Our quiet, faithful life is what this is saying. Next, says to mind your own affairs, mind your business. So, I mean, I think this means a couple things. Of Obviously, don't be getting in, being a busybody, getting in everyone's business and stuff like that. But uh, you have things, you have your little circle, your realm of influence, and you're to put your attention into those things, into your own affairs, and, and he follows that up with working hard. So, graduates and, and everyone, but we're called to work hard, to work diligently, and not depend on anyone else. So, you know, we go out, we go out from high school, we graduate, and whether you go immediately into the workforce or you go to college, whatever it is, we're called to work hard uh, and not be dependent on anyone else. We're not to depend on a government handout. We're not to depend on mom and dad forever, depend on grandpa, uh, grandpa and grandma forever. Now, it's great if you, they want to help and give, and those are all good things, but we, we should be dependent on no one uh, as we have become adults. And as Christians, that is part of our witness. We're to work. We're to work hard and to use the gifts God has given us to influence our world around us. So this is a powerful witness. 
do you want to change the world? All right, so back to that question. Do you want to change the world? Well, you can change the world by living a quiet and faithful life. Not you alone, right? No one's writing biography about, about that person who is, lives their quiet, godly life. That's not making big headlines anywhere, but not you alone can change the world. But if all Christians are living that way, if all the church is living that quiet and godly life and doing the things God has commanded us and being faithful in those small things, that will begin to change the world. When we live that way, society will be ordered properly when enough people live how God has called them to live in their small realm of influence. God instituted the family. So our graduates, again, you know, I expect and I pray and hope that probably one day you're going to have a family. God has instituted the family. It was the first thing he instituted. God uses the family to order all of society. And so uh, the family and the home, it matters to God. God cares about it greatly. It is the building block of every society. Families have to be ordered well for society to work. So what is wrong with our world today? Well, there's obviously a huge spiritual problem. That's, I think, the first obvious answer. But, okay, dig a little deeper. What is it? We look at all the things going on. Uh, we look at, you know, think of this month and Pride Month and the, the crazy things you see and hear about just the, the debauchery and the things we just read about in Ephesians chapter 5. Think about all the shootings, the mass shootings. There's a deep spiritual problem, but what has happened? There's a breakdown of the family. Families are under attack spiritually, and the family, it doesn't matter in our culture. We have made it not to matter, but it matters to God. And when families are oriented rightly, when the church has an importance on families, our society will flourish. The world around us will flourish uh, when we do what God has called us to do. So enough of us living faithful in those small things, living, enough of us living a quiet, godly life, working hard, minding our own business, taking care of our families, those things will matter. And it will. It will change society. Those things can change the world. So we are called to be faithful even in those small things. So you, graduates, you're not there yet. You, know, you don't have families yet, but I encourage you... Remember that always, that the day is coming, uh, Lord willing, that you will have a family, and God has called you to take care of your family, to follow God, and to lead your family well. So we are called to be faithful. All right, be faithful to God by being a Christian who is uncompromising in your faith and convictions. All right, don't begin to drift. Watch your faith, watch your convictions, watch what you believe. Everyone changes. I mean, that is a fact. Everyone changes. Only God does not change. I am not the same person I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. There are things I may believe about the Bible that are a little different than what I did 10 to 15 years ago. But my convictions on what matters the most, the most essential things, you better believe those are the same. And some of those things should never change in our life. And so hold your convictions firm. Hold firm. Be uncompromising. In a world that tells you everything that you see is okay, that as long as someone is happy, that's okay, it's good. Live your truth. Do not compromise to that. 
Do not compromise to it. Be firm in your faith and convictions. And be pure in your conduct and your life that reflects what you believe. Uh, and obviously, we all sin, we, and we need to repent of our sin, but we have to live a life that does match up with what we're saying and what we believe. We have to live that out in our life. And third, be a good neighbor and coworker or boss. So in your life, what are you going to do? How are you going to live faithful uh, in your life? Be a good neighbor. And we know everyone is our neighbor, right? We learned that um, on the, past, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Everyone is our neighbor. Uh, I, I mean this especially like, who is your neighbor next door, right? So when you're in an apartment complex, subdivision, wherever you live, be a good neighbor. Be a witness to your neighbor. God has placed you in that circle for a reason. You go off to college in your dorm room, your dorm suite, your wherever. Be a good neighbor. Do the things that make a good neighbor. You know, take care of your things. You know, <laughs> like I think those things they seem mundane, but they matter. They're part of your witness. They they are. They're small, and ultimately we have to witness and proclaim the truth of Christ and what He has done, and that only salvation comes through Him. But we're called in everything and aspect of our life to be faithful. So in your workplace, among your co-workers, do what is right, do what is honorable, do what is good. Encourage, lift up, build up. If you're a boss, if you have, whether you're the owner or whether you have subordinates under you, uh, whatever the case, you know, treat your employees well. Do good for them. Instruct them, help them, be there for them, be a resource for them. Uh, this is our circle. So whatever your circle of influence is, we are called to be faithful. So the call of faithfulness to Jesus, it's not, it's not a motivational speech. It's not a valedictorian address telling you to go change the world, do it all, see the world, like do all these things. It's much more than that, much more profound than that. The calling of Jesus is not for those things exactly. The call of Jesus in your life is to establish him as king of everything in your life because he is king of everything uh, no matter what. So he is king of everything in your life and in your home. And his call for you is to be obedient in obscurity. So if no one knows you, you're never famous, and only maybe your family knows about you, whatever, no matter how obscure your life is, and you're obscure to the world, be obedient. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Be obedient in obscurity. His call for you is to be extraordinarily ordinary. And that is not something that you're going to hear at the graduation addresses um, from valedictorians. An ordinary life in God's eyes, if you're just being faithful, God delights in that. He delights in your ordinary life. There is honor in that. If you're living for the Lord, it's okay to be ordinary in those things. It is okay if you're honoring God and you're do whatever job you do, whatever trade you do, you just honor God with it. You work hard and you honor God. Be extraordinarily ordinary because the world is so crazy. Things are so crazy. If you if you're just ordinary, it will look strange to other people. That's the paradox, right? If you're just normal, it will look crazy to people what's what's going on with that guy i gotta find out and that will be a powerful witness for you this call is for you to be faithfully forgotten right 
that what people will remember more about you is Jesus in you. I think that's what we want people to say about us. When we are buried and at our funeral, I hope people are saying they love Jesus, they were faithful, and we'll be forgotten. That is the reality. Generations will pass, we will be forgotten. But we've done it for Christ. We've lived our lives for Christ. And that's what He's calling us to do. No matter what, we, we stay strong in our convictions and we live for Christ because one day we will inherit something that cannot be taken away. We will inherit the kingdom of God and we'll be present with God, renewed, redeemed, free from sin. And that is the message we proclaim and we preach. So let us remember that this morning. And let us be faithful in all things. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning and your word. God, I pray that we'll be obedient to it, that in all things, in this wicked world, uh, in a world that despises you, um, God, that we will just hold firm. We will not be swayed, God, that the winds of this world will not move us, but we will have an anchor in you. God, I pray for all of our graduates, God, that they would hold firm that no matter what, God, they would turn to you, look to you, open up their Bibles that they received this morning, and read and know your word and hide your word in their hearts. God, we give this time to you, and Lord, may we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, we will have our time of response and invitation. I'll be standing at the front uh, as Beecher leads us in a song. If you need to, if you need to publicly repent and show and believe and trust in Christ. Now is your time to do that. If you need to pray and come to the altar, maybe you have burdens, come to the altar, lay it before God. If you need prayer for something specifically, uh, I'll be up here and I can, I'll be glad to pray with you. Uh, but this is your time to respond uh, to God's word.